Well, you know, I look, you look around, you see 47,000 people here in your hometown, and uh, <laughs> forgive me, but full disclosure, you kind of start tripping a little bit. So I was tripping. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Everybody, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. Randy Sobel here and Chris Buckley over there. Hello. Hey, hey. How's it going, sir? Good, good. Uh, glad to be back. How's everything with you? Everything is going fine. Uh, Quite a lot has happened uh, since the last time I was uh, on the show here. So Yes, we had some, uh, some news to speak of uh, in many different forms, in form of an album, a song, and a tour and uh you know what why don't we take a second since you haven't been on the show in about a month uh why don't we take a second to see get your thoughts and feelings about everything oh well goes without saying obviously head over heels excited for the tour obviously uh we'll get in a moment get into the whole uh 10 club ticket master ticket woes situation but uh let's stick with the music to start um was not so sure the first listen through of dance of the clairvoyance it it took me a couple listens maybe like three to four listens and i've now listened to it probably four to five hundred times but um it really (laughs) it's gonna be your spotify song of the year for sure yeah definitely definitely and it's Uh, january Exactly. One month in, it's already the number one. Um, it, it it clicked after that. Um, it I've said to you, and I was you know a bunch of people that we that we talked to. You know, I, I said repeatedly over and over again how badly I wanted them to kind of branch off a little bit, you know, and go in a, an experimental direction uh, as as experimental as they can get it. You know, in their mid fifties at this point, um, and this was exactly what I was hoping for. You know, it's, it's eighties. Everyone keeps saying over and over again, how it's eighties talking heads, eighties Bowie sounding to my ear. There's a little bit of like early two thousands, um, you know, like New York rock revival, like garage rock strokes, killers, um, maybe a little bit of like Arctic monkeys thrown in for good measure. All these bands kind of, you know, put into a blender and mixed together and out pops this, you know, dance, heavy groovy really creative um 
just output. You know, this 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 end result is a really really good uh, representation. I think you know seven years in the making. I guess um, right. of what they can accomplish. You know, still at this age and that they still have chops, you know, they still have songwriting chops and they could still create something that is so new and different sounding and again, experimental uh, for their age, you know, at this point in their career where they're on studio album number 11 and the first single, you know, it takes some guts, I think, uh, to release a, a single like this and they've done it before and yep. everyone at the comparison I keep seeing and, you know, I was barely even alive at this point and certainly you know, wasn't listening to Pearl Jam or anything. But in 96, when No Code comes out, everyone keeps referencing how Who You Are was the single and everyone was like, what the fuck is this? You know, right. and that's what I think. It, this was a very polarizing single. For the fan base, I think you either loved it or you hated it. I there's been very few people I've seen online saying, you know what, I listened a little bit more and now it's kind of grown on me. A couple here and there, but for the most part, it's really been like, okay, this is my new piss break song, or I love it, they're amazing, you know. Which I think some people would say that anyway, even if they didn't really love it as much as they said they would. Yeah. They just feel they have to because they're Pearl Jam fans, right? But and, and um, I made more of a concerted effort to enjoy the song because of that but after a while you just sort of you get lost in it you kind of forget and it's not my style of music at all uh i i enjoy the talking heads but it's not one of those bands sure. i go out and i i seek out and say you know i'm gonna just spend the whole day listening to to their music and same with the killers and i like the strokes but not to that extent either um right but it's you know I was able to kind of let it go and, and sort of say, you know what, this is a catchy song with the lyrics. You know, there's a lot to break down. There's a lot to, to think about. And, and if you have those elements added into songs, then I'm interested. You got me hooked and, you know, I'll yeah. still, you know, it's been a couple of weeks and I'll still look through the lyrics and I'll say, all right, well, what's this supposed to mean in reference to this and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So there, there's just, there's a lot to break down and you know what? I'm, um, I'm excited. Bring on March 27th. Let's do this. It's yeah. You know, and I, I think, uh, enough. I really agree with stone. I think he was the one that said the lyrics that Eddie wrote for the song are some of his better ones in a, in a while, you know, some of his favorite lyrics that he's written in a while, they really make you think. And it's, uh, typical ed fashion a little mysterious you know i i don't know if there's quite a, such a, a quite a clear-cut message i guess uh in in the lyrics i, as, I think they kind of a couple different ones yeah yeah they leave it open to interpretation which is i think one of the reasons why you know we love his lyrics and the band's you know music in general so much but there's definitely it's the kind of song where you know i can imagine myself kind of moving a little bit too you know like dancing a little bit at a show right. to to them which is not really uh, typical of them. I mean, you know, we might dance in our own ways to, to their other music, but this is like an, you know, actual like, like a, a groove. There's like an actual like dance groove sure. to the song that a lot of their other music before now, for the most part, lacks, which is fine. I'm just, you know, making an observation. And that's, um, that's why it might, you know, John and I had talked about this on a, on a sure. Patreon exclusive. It is so different that you, you know, you, that might be why so many people like it. Right, but how? Also, how is it going to translate live? Because they don't sure. usually play like that. That was so, my next point. Right, you know, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see. And I, you know, I've been trying to talk to people, be like, where, 
where is this going to fit into the set? You know, how are they going to implement this? Is this going to be an opener? Is this going to be an early set? Like, you know, what's the build going to be like? What, what, what's the ending with, uh, the multiple track layers? How's that going to sound? And, um, you know, TBD. This very much feels to me like a, a song that would fit maybe, um, in, in beginning of the set within the first like five songs that's what i'm thinking or like, so do, do corduroy hail hail animal talk yeah well that's the thing but then, then they're all playing this. different instruments too yeah you know well, i would assume that jeff will be playing bass and boom will be playing the keyboard parts and well, we'll find out playing the second guitar but it's going to be interesting to see what what uh ends up happening absolutely but so. we're gonna we're gonna end up finding out somehow or another Right, which leads us into the next discussion here. Yeah, so, okay, uh, last week's episode, we released that, and when we recorded it, it was before the public sale happened. So we really didn't get a chance to address it, John and I. Um, But I've addressed it through social media and my frustrations through Ticketmaster, but let's just kind of, you know, summarize what happened. It was, there were four of us. Uh, you and I and Bagel and Dave Jantausch from Live Footsteps, and we were all trying to get tickets to both Baltimore and New York. I had people mm-hmm. on my side, you know, my wife, my my wife's coworker, uh, Matt and Steve, and a couple other people. John was helping, Bradley was helping, my friend Mike was helping. Some uh, of which these people already have tickets, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, they were just helping just because they wanted to see us get there. Um, right. And, you know, all of us, every single person, none of us got on it. two different and screens, two different screens, two different shows. And I mean, it's so frustrating. I've never dealt with a ticket situation like this. Me neither. With Pearl Jam before or any Same. Other band, even though there wouldn't be a situation like this with any other band. But mm-hmm. man, I, I like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to complain and I don't want to say like Ticketmaster's at fault for all this, but that, that was a big, massive mess with, you know, not, not letting people know that it's sold out when it was and, and all that stuff, just sending you to a screen and telling you to sit tight. Well, listen, um, I'll just give let me just give you my two cents. Uh, so you kind of just mentioned it, but we both got, got shut out of the 10 club. So, yes. So we, we neither of us got tickets. Needless to say, and this them. goes so, to show everybody. And we've had a couple emails asking for tickets, and I understand like everybody's desperate for tickets right now. Mm-hmm. You'll go through hoops to get them, but we have nothing. I got St. Louis tickets nothing. because that was the easiest to get, and I decided to call an audible instead of going to Baltimore. I was going to take a flight to St. Louis, so we don't have anything. I know it seems, you know, we Nothing. have a podcast and we're talking to people and we kind of have this platform, but we're just like you guys. We, we Got go through the sale the same exact way. And, you know, we come up short the same exact way. So, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it's cool that we, we have a podcast, but we're just, we're just fans like the rest of the people. Our 10 club numbers are, are low, like, or high, like the rest of us. So they had a lot of tickets, um, judging by how little success there was for people and how frustrating it was with the public sale. But ju- this is just why I was so annoyed when I didn't win, you know, in the 10 club lottery. And I think that's why everyone else feels the same way. It's not just knowing that you don't have tickets. 
it's now coming to terms with the fact that it's going to be that much harder yes. to find the tickets. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. So it's one thing to say, all right, I lost. Okay. It's not, it's not even the fact that you lost that's annoying. It's, you know, like I said, you're now ha- having being forced to now go to StubHub, to go t- to use every contact that you have within the fan base to try to network and just get one ticket for yourself. Like, I'm just trying to get myself now in the building. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not going to be able to take anyone anymore, barring a miracle, right. you know, where someone offers me a pair of tickets or I find a, an amazing deal closer to the show or something like that, it's where I'm able to snag a pair of tickets. No one's coming now. with me. I'm going to sit by myself, which is right. fine because it's a Pearl Jam show and I don't really care right. and it's worth it. But that's my point. I, you know, I think that's just my 10 club point is that I see so many people complaining online which listen everyone has their opinion i'm not gonna you know you can post whatever you want i don't never post anything in these pearl jam facebook groups i'll comment on some stuff but i never ever i think i've made one post ever in these pearl jam facebook groups but i see tons and tons of people posting about the tour and and the 10 club and Ticketmaster, and it's like that's just my point it's like i think you have to give them credit for tr- like getting more tickets than they ever have i believe them when they say that they did but it's also like, you know, you, you have to come to terms with the fact that, it, you know, from from the band's perspective, I guess, or like if they're looking at the fan base and saying, oh, the man, these people love to whine and whatever, which, OK, yeah, we're Pearl Jam fans. I think they know that at this it point. Happens, but, you yeah. know, it is what it is. It, it That's the reason, you know, it's because now it becomes so much harder and more expensive where, listen, now paying 500 for four tickets doesn't look so bad to me anymore. Uh, which I wish that was the situation because it's like, okay, now you have that opportunity to take someone you that you'd like to take to the show right. where it's not going to cost you two to $300 just for you to get in to one show where you could have just paid 500 for four tickets across two shows. So, you know, and that doesn't account for a hotel and travel and whatever. So um, I, I guess that's my point. You know, you we can get annoyed with 10 club and Ticketmaster, but it's, it's not even so much the losing. It's just the access to the tickets. You know what I mean? Overall, what so. you're trying to say here to all of our listeners that are listening in today is that both Randy and Chris really desperately need to go to the MSG <laughs> show. And if you do happen to stumble across an extra ticket, I mean, I'm first in line. I'm before Chris. But, uh, you know, if you have two, then that's great. We can both go. Sure. Uh, but, no, I, like, in all seriousness, we're, we'll find our way there. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I didn't we'll mean to say I'm going. Week, I'm, going. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I'm getting I'm – getting, listen, if I have trip. to pay – if I have to pay – I told you before, like my max is probably like 300 for one ticket for me to get just, just to get myself in, you know, right. I, this is my thing. This is, <laughs> this is my, it's important. This it's is important my obsession. This is like something in my life where I'm going to set time aside for it, set money aside for it and go, you know, when right. the opportunity comes up, you go. Right. So yep. if it's, if I'm paying chances, after sure. So hopefully way. a friend or someone comes through if not, or a listener. sure, a listener. Faithful listener. But if if the time comes and we gotta get in somehow, and I'm gonna have to pay a couple hundred just to get myself in through StubHub, I'm gonna do it. So, not I'll missing. Be there. It. I'll we'll be, be there. I'll be there with you. We'll, we'll, we we'll will be there. Baltimore and MSG. 
We'll and you in St. Louis trickle, tr- trickles down there. But yeah, um, this show that we're doing today, uh, yes. this one was pretty challenging to get tickets to. I would assume all of the ballpark shows being difficult to get tickets to. But when you got forty thousand seats, you can sort of you know a little easier. A lot more, yeah, there's a lot more to go to go around, and and you can find decent deals on StubHub and, and all that. But Anyway, we're doing this episode today uh, because it was a request, and not just because it was a request, but it's a fairly popular show. But this one was sent in from one of our patrons, Adrian Peterson, who has been there from the very start. We met her at the uh, Fenway weekend and gave her a t-shirt, talked to her about the band a little bit, and, and got to know her. And she's an incredibly, incredibly nice person, and we really appreciate that she's been on board and been been a listener, and I think you know from from here she's started to listen to all the other podcasts too so you know this is how you build the community folks you you get one and and then everybody attaches themselves to to everybody else so you know it's just a really cool thing that happens but um she uh she sent us a story and i would like to read to, to you right now i think it's something that everybody can relate to in some ways and there's some ups and there's some downs in this so uh uh just hang with with me here. It says, "Hi, Randy and John. Sorry, Buckley, but yeah, okay. we 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 can edit it for this. Hi, <laughs> Randy and Chris. Happy new album and tour season. Excited that you're starting to cover the home shows from 2018, as they are pretty special to me. I will try to make this brief, but I wanted to give you some background. I was heavy in the Pearl Jam from the time that Ten was released through the time of the Versus years. Somewhere along the way, though, music stopped being an important part of my life." And a couple of marriages and a couple of kids and a couple of college degrees and a brain tumor later, I was in a very different place. My musical tastes had also changed somewhat and I had forgotten about Pearl Jam in all honesty. Fast forward to 2017, I found myself struggling to cope with caring for my elderly mother, dealing with some really heavy stuff with my youngest daughter in high school, and watching my older daughter get sucked down into the deepest pits of drug addiction, all this while living 700 miles away from my husband. So I was basically dealing with everything on my own. I was barely hanging on mentally, and physical health had started to decline as well. That year, I heard Pearl Jam was being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so I decided to watch. Seeing the clips and seeing the music was so powerful, and it made me realize how much I had missed throughout the years, and I became completely Mm. obsessed from that moment on, to the point where I wasn't even sleeping because I couldn't stop searching the web for music, photos, facts, concert footage. That's awesome. My friends all thought I was crazy. I couldn't even talk about it without tearing up, and I thought, what the fuck is wrong with me? (laughs) But my immersion in all things Pearl Jam. Oh, 100%. But my immersion in all things Pearl Jam is what kept me going through the darkest, most difficult time in my life. Of course, I joined the 10 Club, and when the 2018 tour was announced, I was all in. I won three of the four shows that I put in for right off the bat, Seattle 2 and both Boston shows. I was fortunate enough to find a couple of tickets to Seattle 1 and was all set. Then my 15-year-old daughter and I drove seven hours to Seattle, and it was pure magic. Night One found us three deep between Eddie and Stone for my very first Pearl Jam show, and when release started, tears were streaming down from my face. We toured London Bridge the next day, and when they started playing release in the booth, it was so loud that it made the walls shake. The tears were flowing again. So on to Night Two, 
After touring the studio, we headed straight back to Safeco to camp out for the night. My daughter is pure rock and roll, and this instantly made her made me the coolest mom on the planet. Met a lot of great people that night, and the effort and the extra effort that put us on the rails squarely in front of Mike. The emotion was really overwhelming, and when Eddie started into Oceans, I was bawling all over again. I won't cover the set list here. I'll leave that to you, but I won't critique the performance because in that moment. For me, it was pure perfection. Some of the highlights for me were footsteps, rats, unthought known, a beautiful tribute to Tom Petty, whose loss was still fresh and raw, crown of thorns, and leash. I thought at some point, Mike finished a beer and tossed the cup out, and I caught it. My daughter asked me if I was going to drink what was in the bottom, and I said I didn't know yet. Well, the cherry on top of that incredible night came when the band played Crazy Mary, and Ed came out with the wine. I still get goosebumps remembering holding that cup while Ed personally filled it. Holy shit, I couldn't ask for anything more. Driving back to Oregon the next day with my daughter asleep in the passenger seat and with me alone with my thoughts, I listened to Pearl Jam and cried for the first two hours of the trip. A week later, I headed out to Boston where I met you and Matt, and I think she met you. Maybe she did. You were there. Maybe. But... Very possible. I'm Um, sorry. uh, And was introduced (laughs) to the world of podcasts. And from listening to other people's stories, I realized I was not crazy. I was not alone in the emotion that this band invokes in me. And now life is much better with both my children having survived their own traumas and thriving. And with graduation on the horizon, I'm only six months away from being able to move back in with my husband and back to some much needed normalcy. My obsession with Pearl Jam continues, but I've leveled out. At least I'm not losing sleep to it anymore. I I am still a little sad that I missed seeing them live back in the early days, but I'm going to see them now while I still can. The past fall, I underwent treatment for another brain tumor almost 18 years to the day that I had the first one removed, and I promised myself that if all went well, I was doing a world tour. Well, it went great. Yeah! And I'm going to see the best band in the world play two nights in Amsterdam. We'll see you there. And three more shows in the States, hopefully more to come in that fall. My husband doesn't get it, but he supports it, and I love him for that. It's a fragile thing, this life we lead. Thank you for letting me share and doing what you do every week. Adrian. That was that's awesome. awesome. That, that was, was fantastic. And you said it. That, that's what this is all about. You know, um, yep. you're not alone in this. And for anybody else listening that, this kind of, the same emotion and the same problems that all of us go through in our daily lives with uh, personal uh you know uh, trauma and personal health issues um and you look to pearl jam as sort of being the comfort and being the savior of of everything that you're going through and you, and you look to them for answers and you say you know what a song like Inside Job, a song like Alive can really speak to you on a certain day and it feels like they're more of a part of your life than than other things sometimes. So we we fully get it. We fully understand everything that you're saying there, and and we're we're happy that you're able to to emote all that. And uh, you know, just just thank you for the story. So that that was yeah. awesome. Needless to say, this show that we're gonna do night two in Seattle, 2018, the home shows uh, was pretty special. Um, for it's a, a number of different reasons to, to have this be yeah your first so she experience. she picked a great 
a, seriously like a really really good first weekend where you know the night night one is a is a good set there's some standout moments there but even as ed says in this night two show they were a little tight as he I calls call it I night think. one the all-star game of pearl jam shows you have yeah. all of yeah. the big songs that come into play you have a couple of you know like the guys that get into the all-star game that have been i don't know like on the downside of their career but but you get them in late because you know that they might be in hall in the hall of fame or the guys that are kind of uh they're up and comers and like a, a mind your manners or a lightning bolt and and you get those sure. guys in because you know in a couple of years you'll be looking at them being like well you know they won a world series and they won an mvp and and look at where they mm-hmm. were then um but that's how i saw night one and, and a ton of covers the covers to me are like inviting all the old timers back for like an old timers game or something like that this show yep was completely the opposite of that that this was this was the real homecoming show to me where mm, I don't want to go I don't want to I the only point I would disagree with is the covers there's a good amount of covers in this show yes there's a good with amount a of lot covers, of, with a lot of the, the guys again but, but I know what you're covers, saying yeah, go ahead. the covers in this show are relative to Seattle. they're relative to Seattle and they're also to the people that they're playing the songs with hundred percent. 100%. That's a yes. In this that is, sense, so it's a total 180. Yes, you're right. Right, right. So, I, I, you know, from the open of this show, getting the show to start with Oceans, and you hear him at, at some point in Oceans, he said, uh, I will be home once more. And you get, like, these chills, this goosebumps that, like, you know they're preparing for special moments. now that you're looking at and you're saying all right well you know ocean they they open with oceans that's cool that's 1995 where you're going back and forth between oceans and release now they open with oceans and you're like okay they've only played oceans 95 times ever that's kind of crazy ever they haven't even played oceans 100 times the song's been around since 1991 dude they haven't even played it 100 times yep so it just goes to show you that Right off the bat, this is pretty intense, and it's the only one of this uh, home and away shows. Little, I guess this is technically like a tour. Technically, uh, yeah, it's listed as that on live footsteps. So, uh, yeah, I would I would call it a tour. Why not? It's, it kind of is. I mean, it's a very state, short so. one. Right. You know, it's a very short one. Um, playing in Wrigley and and it was definitely branded as and such. Seattle. So we're gonna call it a tour, I guess, for for in this sense, and it's the only time they played it in uh, in these home and away shows. Right. So they had played it right earlier off the bat. in the European shows. I think they played it at London. Yes, in London, 
and they, they played did. it in Barcelona as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, I think I believe you're right. Both important shows. So that goes to show you the other two instances where they played Oceans in this year are just as important as this moment right now. And they're telling you off the bat, like, hang on, because this one is going to be a ride that you're not going to want. Yeah, there's a sense here. There's a sense, like you said, they're preparing for something special and they're very in you know connected to the moment understanding like okay we have all of our old friends here and we're gonna bring people out and it's in seattle and it's it's just i don't know how else to describe it other than saying it's just a very and it might sound really dumb and like uh, okay you might say obviously it's a very seattle show does that make sense like yeah like everything, I don't know. It's just like any any everything about these songs. It's it's all old songs. This could basically be, and I said this to you before. Take out, I'm just gonna say, take out unthought known and can't deny me later in this first set, and this is like a riot act tour show. Yeah, pretty close to it. I mean, there's it, one like, like, riot act it, song. There's one binaural song, and that's it. Everything else is everything besides else is from those the 90s, two. Yeah. For, you know, backspacer, unthought known, and and the can't deny me single. Everything else <laughs> is all from Yield or earlier. Right. You know and what I mean? So it's like this is seriously like back to your roots kind of stuff going on here. Right. And I think right off the bat, Oceans into Footsteps. and when Footsteps. I remember even Nothing Man. That first trio even, if you want to say. The whole trio. And I remember watching this feed. I was watching the live, live stream of this. And oceans right away. I'm like, oh, that's cool. This is this is going to be something special. But once they did footsteps as the number two, I said to myself, oh, they're this is going to be one of those shows where every song is just going to top the next one. Because mm-hmm. when do you hear footsteps early in the set? That's an encore spot kind of song. And and if you listen to the song in this version, they speed it up just a little bit, so it kind of follows up on that sing-along vibe that Oceans has and the sing-along vibe that that Nothing Man's gonna have and it takes the tone of that and it brings everybody together and you hear there's certain parts in the song where the crowd is taking it all in like after the chorus where they get back into the verse section and the crowd is completely taking it all in and and, you know upstarts with the cheers and and Mm -hmm. this is this is to me like this is setting you up for something magical. This mix had very this boot mix had very good uh, crowd singing in it. it did, you can yes. really hear the crowd very clearly, which is really cool. And I think you make a very good point where if by the second song you're saying what the hell are they going to play next? Right. That's a pretty good indicator that well, what the, the hell show, can they play next? It, right, and it's like that's a good indicator that you're already off to a good start. But the show as a whole, especially looking back, like I, this is a marathon of a show. Okay, like this bootleg <laughs> is three hours and nineteen minutes long. Yep, insane. I mean, that's the longest show they've played in a long time, uh, especially at this long, point. Bro. I mean, this is up there. Okay, like this is. You know, this is no Fenway night one, two and a half hour, two hours, 20 minutes, whatever it was, uh, where we were like, what just happened? Like, why did they, you know, come on so late? Uh, right. This, They're in this for the long haul, and they're going all out to the point where by, like, I'm not going to, I won't spoil the songs here, but by, like, the 25 hole, 
Ed's voice is pretty gassed. I mean, he's pretty we'll he's pretty shot, and we'll get there. But yeah. he he is uh, he's feeling it to say the least, and it could have something to do with the wine, I'm sure. But uh, they are a lot looser and a lot more in the moment for this show than the first night, I think. And there's some good, like none of the, I, don't, I don't. When I say this, I don't mean this in a bad way. Like, because I love a lot of these older songs that they did play in this in this set, none of the performances really, like, stand out to me as much as some other shows, but they're all good performances. Does yes. that make sense? They're all like, good 2018 nothing, Right, exactly. Like, nothing here made me be like, ugh. <laughs> you know, right. besides yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. like, you know, slow porch. Okay, sorry, I ruined I I spoiled porch, boohoo. But um, you know, <laughs> outside of like every set for the last I know, three years. I, I know, sorry, porch. I just blew it. Um <laughs> but besides like slow porch, there was nothing here where I'm like, ugh. <laughs> you know, where right. I was like, okay, I don't really want to listen to that again anymore. Everything right. else was solid. If not really good, it was solid. So in and that sense, it was like, okay, it's a very good show. So it's like the combination of the performances and the song choices make this a really, really good bootleg. It's like a good show to listen to. It was very good. And when you follow up on the, off of those first songs and you continue your slow burn with nothing, man, and this mm-hmm. is a very sing-along slow burn here where, you know, sometimes uh, you get – other songs that aren't necessarily like a long road isn't like a major sing along. Uh, these are ones where they want specifically want the crowd to match them on stage. And then you mm-hmm. go from nothing man into why go and you hear that little at the end where Matt is still playing that hi hat and it's seamless into why go and immediately when he goes into that uh right. tom drum on a dime yeah they're oh, turning here and, to the and energy you hear the yeah. crowd immediately when they hear that they go hey 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 and mm-hmm. they're all in from it and it, and it's like okay we were so ready we love that sing-along but we're so ready to get this kicked off and we're mm-hmm. you know that was so good show us what you got now and why go was a perfect way to get into that brain of jay to follow that up love it uh you know when when you're talking about songs this was a really good performance rare. actually yeah brain oh, jay this is a good one yeah mm-hmm. it, it was really tight really in the pocket um and i mean brain of jay is not something that you're gonna hear every single night so again you're thinking about footsteps brain of jay you're five songs in you're like what the fuck else do i need especially mm-hmm. if i'm there I, I'm, I'm going nuts. Yeah, I'm sad. Yeah. Those are this, two of my favorite songs. Like Brain of Jay is the one one of the songs that I'm like praying we get at either the oh, Garden or uh, Baltimore. Me too. Uh, it's one of the songs I've really really wanted to see for a long time, along with like Hard to Imagine and a couple other ones. But um, if I yeah, like these this first five here to 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 get that sing along portion out of the way like that to start where you're, I guess oceans isn't necessarily like sing along ish, but I, more I footsteps a little was, bit, though. a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Um, it, it is tuned magic. half step down. It's hands. It's half step down. It's not in the recorded uh, standard, you know, the, the regular tuning right. um, that it's which in on, on the album, but which is fine. But um, yeah, footsteps, nothing man's a little more of a sing songy kind of vibe, I think. But then to, like you snap your fingers, it's like, okay, why go brain of Jay? And then, you know, we go interstellar and a corduroy in the six hole. It's the, ma- it, it's starting. It, it's, the it's, 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 yeah. It's like now, now we're ready. Now, now we're the, the gears are turning here and, and right. we're, we're, we're amping up the energy here. Um, yeah. Brain and Jay is awesome. 
Interstellar is always a little cool, you know, transition in. Corduroy, solid. They'd played it uh, two nights before. Listen, Corduroy's Corduroy. I know you love it. I, I do like it. It's... I, I don't have anything to add about it. You know, he does the, the singing along and sing song back little, and yeah, forth he, he in the chorus. He does the call and response stuff. But yeah. in this one, he sort of, during the call and response, he said, that's Mike right there. That's Mike right there. Mm-hmm. Well, and he kind of gives a nod. He's like, watch what he's going to do. He gives Mike, a lot of nods throughout the show, actually, to, he, to all the guys. Yeah, he does. And then Mike hits this like very atmospheric kind of solo where he's not blistering mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's a little uh, lead. I, know, I I can clearly hear it in my head from listening to it this morning. It, he's like, yeah, Mike, Mike, go, Mike, go, whatever. And he, yeah, and, you right. know, give me something or some, whatever he says. And it's like a clean little, like, you see, yeah, like atmospheric-y kind of like melodic little it's, lead. It's not a it's shredding a, Mike McMelty solo kind of a right. thing. It's seven or eight minutes of corduroy, too, which is like yep. to end this cap, this section off, it, you know, it, it gets you – so emotionally charged and so emotionally prepared. I always say it. Corduroy is the one that makes you feel like you're there. And it's kind of at the end of this section, it, it's, it's emotional in that uh, aspect. And then they, they stop and you're thinking to yourself, what the, what was all that? You take a second to take a breather and you're just like that, that killed it. That everything that they just did right there was exactly what I want out of any Pearl Jam show. It was a very, very good opening six, you know, to say, okay, well, they stopped there. Yeah, very. So so that's where Ed takes the first pause and he says, you know, hello, everybody, you know, hello, fans, hello, friends. And then what is the last thing he says? Hello, Seattle. So even more to to hammer home the point, like, okay, you know, they, they get it. They're, they're, they're understanding what's going on here. And it's a Seattle homecoming uh, of sorts for them. And that leads us into, right. This is where they, they confess that they were feeling a little tight the night before. Sure. And I think a lot of it came from, they were just, they were really, you know, a lot of the hype came around these shows, Seattle especially. The airports all had signs. All the streets had big signs on them. Mm-hmm. Um, the scoreboard the was decked out. The the beer, the wine, uh, the liquor. They went all out for this, and they did it yeah. all to raise money for, for the homelessness in Seattle. And they raised $11 million, all went to a great cause. And, you know, I, I think a lot of that was weighing on them that, you know, they they prepared such a special night that they didn't want to let them down at all. So maybe... And he kind of says that. not Maybe not yeah. in, in those exact words and not directly, but he says at one point, if my memory serves me correctly, he's like... You know, we asked so much of you guys to give and, and help us with this, and you know, we want to live up and, and give back and say thank you, and right, you know, basically put on a hell of a show for you because we want to say thank you for everything that you did to help us raise these millions right. of dollars. He so used the word pressure they, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, and I was about to say it. They might be feeling a little bit of pressure, but nothing that they didn't handle. So it, no. it worked out. Yeah, and that absolutely. gets us uh, into rats here. Rats in, the in hiding, hole, whipping in this little section. That awesome. Awesome. Little a little versus yield vitalogy, you know, You're a little un- out of order kind of a thing here. Very Yeah, cool. un- uncommon songs that, you know, don't get into everyday sets in, in a spot in the set where rats isn't usually when it's played, it's not usually played this Especially early. whipping too. Yeah, seems early. A really random spot for whipping. I feel like mm-hmm. whipping 
in 2018 is close to an encore, if not, yep. you know, if the not even encore two, like or beginning of encore two, even. Yeah, um, and in hiding, this is pretty normal spot for this, but like, right? R- I think Rats is another nod to Seattle because he kind of says mm-hmm. this one's for the old residents, and yep. I, I don't know if they had played Rats in 2018 before this, but it felt like they a did. lot of people they did. Yeah, uh, July 14th of 18. So that would have been, uh, which show is that? Portugal. Portugal. Okay. So, I mean, again, that's, you know, that's not saying they did it often. So it, it, doing versus songs and doing them in such prominent spots on a set to come off of a corduroy and, and get rats, it, it feels like you're, once again, you're back at this position where you're topping what you just did and how can you do better than what you just did? And yeah. everything gets great reactions. Um, it was just kind of icing at this point. I just, I just think again, they're really trying to connect with that older fan base. The people that have, that are their friends right. and people that have been there since the nineties, when these songs came out, when these songs were popular and when they were that age, you know, like they're trying to, to, to harness and and channel that energy from the time that these songs were from, if that makes – does that kind of make sense? Like they're I, trying yeah. to make this atmosphere among the fans and for the community and just the, the city of Seattle to say, you know, this is – these are our roots. This is where we came from. These are the songs that helped us get to where we are now, you know, that we, we didn't forget our past and right. these are some deep cuts for you. That's right. it's like a thank you to you, you know, to you for for, you know, supporting us and being our friends and helping us raise the money and blah, blah, blah. This is like our thank you to you. That's yep. that's I, how I, I subscribe to that theory. I subscribe yeah. to that theory. So which even the next one is. Section. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you get into even flow and and Ed actually says that he's going to make a prediction. He says, my prediction is that people need to show up for the midterm elections, which. I guess they did. Yeah. They did enough. Depends on how uh, <laughs> what side of the fence you're on. Sure, yeah. I guess, yeah. Um, In his but, world, I guess they did. Right. Uh, but the prediction is that Mike McCready is going to play an incredible solo on the next song. And he did. Pissed. He did. And they're pissed off because they're trying to tear the showbox down. And that's really where the whole showbox thing was, was starting to take place here. Uh, they were... I, I don't know where they are with that. I think it still needs to be saved. They're sort of in a holding pattern pattern right now. I believe they are. Yeah. But quick little search here. As of right now, I don't believe the show box is getting lost. And you hear uh, kind of in that like end spot of even flow after Mike is is shredding uh, your Ed just chant save the show box, save the show box.
that they can save it. Do a benefit for the show box at the show box before yeah. you go Imagine out trying to get tickets tour. to that. Oh, forget it. You're, I don't even. Let's, I'm not even going to go there. Your ten okay. club number you has to be going. seven. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 not even go down that road. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's very cool. Doing the little chant during the uh, solo and even flows. Again, more Seattle. It's just it's like the most Seattle show, you know. Right. I think I think we have to mention that the night before, uh, they did tell a story about the person that he wrote Evenflow about. It was somebody that he passed by yes. every day and, yes. you know, and tragically one day, you know, just passing by on the streets and in his normal spot, he wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of, this song, especially for this show and what this show was about is, is so much more important than, uh, you know, all the other side factors. This, this really Evenflow is the one that going back to this, you, you talk about where the song came from and, and you know, they were, they were aware of it then and it's still going on now. That means, you know, we have a lot to, a lot of work to do. So only other thing I would add on to this little discussion we've had here is uh, Ed's actually wearing a shirt in the show that, that says, says save, save our show box. Yeah. Yep. SOS. So mm-hmm. cool. Um, I really, I, I would call this a top moment for me, for me for the next uh, song and um yep. when they first start playing it and watching the live feed i don't think anybody that you know was in the How chat would room, you i don't think anybody knew it and you know once somebody said what it was somebody figured it out that it was the chris cornell song missing which i believe it was a b-side off of singles or something uh, yeah written. it's from the pontier tape so right. cornell wrote five songs for Cameron Crowe, for uh, Matt Dillon's character, Cliff yep. Pontier, in the movie Singles uh, from 92. I actually have the, um, for Record Store Day, I think it was, a couple years ago, like two years ago, they released um, the tape uh, that has the songs on it, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Like, they re-released it, which is kind of funny, so I was like, okay, I gotta get this, I right. can't not have this. But on that list of songs, and I, I think Cornell actually explained all of what i'm saying at the temple of the dog show at the garden in 2016 i don't remember Almost that positive. part but i remember yeah i, I you think know, going back did. i saw that they did play this and i'm like whoa I, yeah I, that's almost something. positive that he did so on that uh tape are uh seasons which everyone knows yes a song called nowhere but you spoon man like an early version of spoon man before Soundgarden, you know polished it and made it what it was flutter girl which again this is like an early cornell copy of the song uh, it's his solo song that never became a Soundgarden song so he was kind of writing his own solo stuff before he went solo uh when Soundgarden broke up in um 96 97 and then he released uh euphoria morning in 98 and this was one of the songs on euphoria morning and then there's the song we're talking about missing so missing you know there's the version of that cornell has on that tape that i think probably it, it, i'm sure it's somehow circulated around people back in the day i don't know um it, it, i mean you know, it's online it's on youtube like it had to have been floating around somehow among the fan base or you know the soundgarden yeah. cornell fan base somehow but r- anyway the point being 
they made the decision where, you know, this is at a time where they, he, I mean, Eddie really hadn't said like anything nothing. about Cornell. Next I mean, and none, none of them really had. Um, and even to this day, besides maybe him covering seasons last year in his solo show. Um, but again, not to get sidetracked, they pick Missing. It's a very interesting song. It's a little all over the place tempo wise. Got a pretty quirky, weird drum beat, but yeah. it's really cool. it does a really really solid job of the vocal part um and it's such an interesting choice and i mean they stuck with it and then they did it at wrigley but they didn't do it at fenway which is kind of a bummer right i don't think they did it at fenway it was a bummer um you know i was kind of expecting them and and it's kind of good do it once at each stadium i guess right i think uh throw your hatred down was the other one that they did everywhere else but fenway uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, we got things at Fenway that the other shows didn't get. We got uh, – Yeah, the, we got um, Dirty Water. I, yeah, we I didn't care for much for that, but um, – Still, uh, they owe us Dirty Frank. They owe me a Dirty Frank. They owe you nothing and you know that. Uh, nah. Taillights Fade was great. Like I, I'll take – Yeah, it was so good. We got it twice. Fades. No, I'm only kidding. It was – actually, it was good. Yeah. Um, but no, this, this version of Missing is just – you know, it's it's fantastic. It's their it's their silent tribute to a guy that they had spent so much time with in Seattle, writing music together, uh, being a part of the scene. And you can tell at this point, it had been just over a year, and they're still you know they didn't tour in 2017, so there were no tributes or anything like that. You don't really know what's going on through their mind, but they're still. They're still feeling it. They're still yeah. But I guess, like you said, silently or not so silently, uh, through song, showing their appreciation and that they are thinking of their friend. And he actually does say his name um, in that other. I, I don't know when he actually starts talking about that. Uh, but the whole Rolling Stone 
uh, oh you know, yeah 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 that's coming rant up that he bit. goes on so we'll get to that in a moment but yep. um again just the last point about this is for the millionth time another testament to the fact that they are honed in on Seattle here. Yes. I mean, they're playing a single song. I mean, this is a song really, even though it's not in the movie, it's a song from singles when you think about it. Right. So just really hammering home, like, you know, the roots and, and trying to connect with that. So I, I love that. Sure. Uh, you get daughter with a WMA and an it's okay tag. It yep. feels like that almost never happens. Uh, it did happen in Fenway, but you know, again, you're kind of nailing uh, the two, two of the biggest songs that they tag off a of daughter, which is, is very cool. It's, it's, I notable. love the WMA tag. I, yeah, I do too. I love it's okay. Uh, you know, I think that's probably my favorite tag of, of all of them. And, um, you know, I, I, when hearing it at Fenway, hearing WMA, I'm like, okay, this is cool, but I was really hoping for it's okay. And then you get that kind of drop and, and they go into the chords and they do it and all of a sudden you're you know it's it feels euphoric and you know they're they're doing what you expected them to do or what you wanted them to do they were starting to do it a lot more on this tour and uh you know i i I think again another tribute to either what was going on through their minds at the time like they were going suffering through so many different losses of of friends of family uh that you know a song like that can can lift you up and lift your spirit. So, uh, you know, definitely a special moment for a lot of people. Uh, but you get immortality after daughter, and I always say that immortality needs to pl- be played at every ballpark because it's such an atmospheric song. When you get the open sky, you can look into the stars, and, and it feels like it was meant to be played in that dark environment. And I just, it, it, it's one of the, I, I feel like if I were a hundred miles away, you know, just walking down the street, I'd be able to hear what they were playing at Safeco because yeah. it feels like it is surrounding the entire city of Seattle. Mm-hmm. I agree. And always love Mike solo in immortality. Um, it's kind of gotten more, shreddy over time since they first started playing the song back in the 90s and he's kind of uh expanded the way he plays uh the immortality solo a lot more effects right and delay and and all these different things that he adds to it so that's always very cool and uh, I think after Immortality, this is where we get the Ed Rolling Stones speech, if, yes. if I'm not mistaken. This is it. Okay. So, yeah, it's a great, great story. And, and even like the banter, like here, it's like even the stories he's telling, it's all Seattle. Right. And the stories within the stories, you know, saying that, you know, Madonna was on the front cover of the mm-hmm. Rolling Stone. And then he says, I didn't like Madonna then. I'm okay with her now. She spanked uh-huh. me, you know. But my, <laughs> she, my wife didn't she want ch- a spanking from her. <laughs> she wasn't comfortable with it. My spanking. It's the only thing I want so much. Oh, what a segue. Um, <laughs> but he says that, you know, Rolling Stone was the magazine. It was the one when he was a kid that he would pick up and he would read the articles on his favorite musicians. And, you know, back in 1991, you know, he, they're starting to get big. They're starting to get noticed. And he rushes down to the market and an Asian guy's working there who didn't speak a lot of English. So he goes and, and he shows him the picture and he says, Hey man, look, that's me. And the guy's like, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, that's you. Okay. 
well, what what is that? Is that a bike magazine? And it kind of gave him some. He said he, he learned some humility that day that not right everybody the in the world knows that you're, you know, this big, massive, you know, world renowned rock star. Mm-hmm. So, and it was the temple. It was Temple of the Dog. This was not Pearl and, Jam right, that he's talking about. Right. So. Right. So uh, I think just a cool story. And, you know, it, it, it takes you back into, you know, that that he could at the time just go up to somebody in a market and pick up a magazine. You and know, they wouldn't know who he was. In months later, that probably wasn't happening. Right. You know, without being bum rushed by hundreds of fans or without like the guy you know, trying to get his autograph or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that brings in, I'm open and unthought known. Uh, not, not much to say on these. I'm open is usually no. used for this kind of, you know, almost like a tease or, or a lead in, uh, sometimes an I'm open, uh, it's sometimes a little, an unthought it, known, sometimes in it's, other an, it's an Ed segue. It's an Ed segue. Yeah. Into another song that he's gonna play on guitar. Right, That's what it is. wish wish list he'll do after it sometimes. Yep. So, yep. you know, I, I I always when it pops up, I'm kind of like, it's only been played 13 times. Like, do we talk about yeah. it? But it's, it's really so short. It's cool. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's just it is what it is. It's like it's just like it's a segue essentially on no code, and it's essentially a segue in a in a show. Right. Um, but it gets us into this stretch here where. We get through the rest of the first set here. We could really just kind of bang this out Pretty all much, in one fell yeah. swoop here. This is the least uh, um, rare of the songs here. Right. This stretch here where we go Unthought Known, Can't Deny Me, Evolution, Lucan, Porch. So everything here, fairly common. You get Lucan and he kind of shouts out Matt Lucan and um, – his his actually his vocals are by to, to, by current modern you know at this <laughs> yeah, point yeah right they're twenty eighteen standards good. you can hear him you can hear what he's saying it's for kind the most of a part. B plus it's, which is yeah really I would give it a B plus it, there's a little bit of he gets a little fuzzy toward the end but listen it's not just uh, mindless mindless yelling yeah so it's a step up than your normal version <laughs> so which is good I think um, now is an but, appropriate time to bring up that. There are no lightning bolt songs from the show at all. Oh yeah, and this yeah. Is well, the... we kind of touched on it before where I, you know I made the Riot Act tour right. Point where, but this this is the only show since sure. 2013 full show where they played you know uh, 20 30 something songs where there's not been one lightning bolt song played. This is the only show, and this is probably going to be one of the only shows in their ever history again. that they ever yeah. do. So it's fine with me. So we're through the first set. Yes. Uh, slow porch. Screw slow porch. Hashtag fast porch always. <laughs> uh, maybe that'll be a little surprise on the next tour. Maybe they'll go back to fast porch and they'll. Uh, we'll they were like, you know what? Chris really wanted fast porch, and They've you know what? we're gonna we're gonna play it this, the way that it was meant to be played, and not the stupid Eddie with his guitar in the beginning way that right. no one wants to hear him scratching his guitar anymore. So maybe well, you'll, maybe you'll... they're listening. You'll hear us talk about that on the Porch Evolution episode if you uh, head on over to Patreon. That should be coming up within days, I would think. So if you're interested in hearing the Porch Evolution episode, patreon.com slash live on four legs. Thank you for the plug, Buckley. There you go. Look at that transition. And off we go into Encore 1, a lengthy Encore 1. Yes, and it starts off very emotional. And he, you know, it's still the death of 
Cornell still really raw and really soon. And same with Tom Petty. Uh, it, you know, it hasn't even been a year since, since Tom had passed. And I think he was feeling it late in this tour where you were getting the big stadium shows. Uh, I think he was feeling the song a lot more than he was in the European tour. Cause this is really where they started doing it a lot more. And um, he, well, he also mentions that this is where he saw him last. Right. In right. Seattle. And I, I guess it was that he says right here. So I'm assuming he means Safeco. I mean, I didn't look they up. probably uh, had a game together or something. I, I, the, unless Well, it could have been that or Tom, Tom Petty played just there. played Safeco. Yeah, yeah I'm maybe. actually going to look it up because now I'm curious. But, um, but yeah, so he's clearly like, you know, there's a – it's heavy. It's heavy. And he asks right. the crowd to light up their phones and to light up the, the stadium for him. And well, I know that's right. I got just one life in a world that keeps on pushing me around. I'll stand my ground when I won't back personal for him and I, I think that you know sometimes you need the emotional ones to kind of get you through to the next ones that you can you know go back and being your normal self you know the next song is going to be thin air it's a love song you sort of have to kind of pick yourself up for it so yeah uh, uh he just to let you know he it was there yeah august okay. 19th of 20 of 2017 wow uh tom petty and the heartbreakers oh my god that was so one, eddie was there i mean they didn't do anything before. in 2017 so it was no, a year and it was. No, I'm saying a month before from, Tom passed. Uh, he died in October. October. So yeah, just about. Really, like pretty a much month and a half. Month and a half. Yeah. Jeez. But that really had to have been, uh, you know, Eddie wasn't. He was. He was being literal. It was the exact same spot yeah. that he saw Tom play his, you know, one of his last shows. So, wow. um, yeah, tough, tough. Um, one of the things I did want to get to, Ed, Ed mentions that he heard a noise, uh, and said, oh, it was just a train. Um, just cause it's interesting here. Uh, the same night there was a plane that was hijacked at the Seattle airport. And, mm-hmm. um, it was, you know, I think you had the story up before it was a guy that wasn't licensed to fly a plane and they stopped him yeah. just about right away. But so he, he was an airport airline employee at SeaTac, Seattle, Tacoma international airport. And he took off. He was, they believed he was suicidal. He took off a 29 year old who acted alone and he took a plane and he crashed it on. What is it? I don't know how you pronounce this. Uh, Ketron Island, 
in the South Puget, Puget or Puget? I think it's Puget, I think it's Puget. Sound. Puget Sound. Yeah. Um, and everything was fine, but I think the concern, given the timing, uh, it happened around 8 o'clock, I believe, that, and there was no one else on board. It was just him. Uh, they, be, you know, there was like a worry among, I guess, maybe people who were watching the stream or following right. along with the show and seeing right. this developing that maybe he was trying to, you know, it was like a terrorist attack or something and he was right. trying to fly it into safe and, field. Yeah. Wasn't and the case, took but in, yeah. Right. They were able to get quick action to him because they know, they knew that there were, you know, a 40,000 uh, seat stadium was, was ha- holding an event, you know, right across the water. So uh, they took action very quickly, but I, f- I felt the need to bring it up because it was happening at the time. And there's so much happening during this time to begin with that, you, you know, you sort of forget that it was almost two years ago. And, yeah. It says know. two F-15 fighter jets had responded within minutes of the theft. Well, so yeah, it was the sheriff told Seattle times that it was a quote, joy ride gone terribly wrong. So, all right. Well, you know, everyone was safe. Everybody was safe, right? Uh, thin air to thin air. get us into some rare stuff in the encore. I like thin air. I do too. Um, and it, we got a couple little stone songs here. Yeah. Uh, here's here's my thing with thin air. I, I you know performance wise, um, I, I love, but in an alternate universe, this is like a number one song, isn't it? This is like a pop song that you know is being played on on top 40 radio and and this to me should be one of their most popular songs but it's not in air yeah oh as far as like pop yeah wise yeah. you're as saying far as, like, like radio accessible play, yeah yeah mm. and i get it that you know you don't necessarily want the word brizantine in in a pop song but no it's isn't it byzantine byzantine yeah sure um like yeah uh but it's reflected in our pond, Randy. singing karaoke to each other. It's actually, I mean, it's a beautiful song. It really the is. The lyrics are, are really good. I think Stone wrote the lyrics Stone as well. Stone did write the lyrics, yep. So yeah. These are both, I mean, that's, again, Seattle, where it all developed from. Stone was the original writer for the band, and, you know, yep. you get a couple of nods to Stone, which you Exactly. Don't. You took it, the words right out of my mouth. They're yeah. nods to Stone, which is cool. I right. love that. You don't usually do that. And, and the, sh- the next show, which would be... I think a week later, I think about, uh, you know, it was the 18th and 20th. Uh, so it was no, eight days I'm thinking in... Missoula. Oh, I'm sorry. Be, you're right. Yeah. It would be the Jeff show. Was it the 13th? Sounds right. So it would right. be, yeah. So it would be that Monday. Uh, 
It was the 13th. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, you know, you would get – everybody would kind of get their moment to chime in and get their – uh, their spotlight and this this is good that stone had it but uh all or none after thin air it just love all or none it's a little depressing and I'll it s- is uh, well uh, here's what here's where i'll say it's depressing because the day that we lost out on the tickets the first song that came into my head because the first thing i said was man this feels hopeless and the <laughs> first song that came into my head was this. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, uh, no. Well, then there's a, what did I say? There's a Pearl Jam song for everything, right? Exactly. And then I realized we had to cover it this week. And I'm just like, it, it's sort of like that depressing Poetic. ending credits kind of song that mm-hmm. it just... But it works. It's it's so good that I can listen to it when it's not in a depressing mood where, you know, you can just get Mike shredding and, you know, feel the bluesy vibe that it has to it. it this was this was awesome. I, I, I really enjoyed both of these songs in yep. this little spot here. And I mean listen, all or none's only been played seventeen times. Right. Ever. I mean this is a super rarity here. But but uh, the last handful of years, they have brought it back a little bit. It's come back a little bit. There. Yeah, they played it at the Garden. Right. Right. And they played uh, it night somewhere else. Night 2 2016? Night 2, yeah. Yeah. And they, and they played, played it somewhere it, was else, it, but in between there. Um, or maybe I'll tell right you. Before. Well, they played it They played it at uh, in Krakow. Right. Right. I knew it was somewhere on the uh, 2018 European yep. tour. So, you know, they, it, it's one that... Every now and again, these songs kind of sneak their way in, and and you think, man, these are pretty rare songs, but they they go back to them every now and again. So uh, this Better Man felt like it lasted probably a couple of hours. I listened to it, and there's so many different (laughs) layers to it, and you know they're doing the different parts and save it for later, and you, you look at it. And I see 10 minutes on um, on the iTunes track, and I'm like, oh, well, they must have talked afterwards. Yeah, a little bit. He introduces bit, Kim Tao on the stage, but uh, no. Uh, oh, no, no. Th- that was after Crown no, of Thorns. No, yeah, I was going to say, I'm yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I – it's a long version. Did you mention Andy Wood here? Didn't he – doesn't he talk? Here though, for a little bit after Better Man, I must have missed. Because then they so they go in a crown here. It's yeah. no, there's no Chloe, no Chloe dancer, but it's just Crown that's, Thorns. That's interesting to me because yeah, that the they don't do the beginning. Years, yeah. It's always been Chloe Crown, and they've never mm-hmm. played. Maybe once they played Chloe without Crown, but almost never do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. It's just another ode to Seattle, an ode to yep. their history and their legacy. Uh, and I, John says it a lot that whenever they play Crown of Thorns, it's a nod to, you know, a place that Andy would have loved to play. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, this being his hometown playing in front of his, you know, hometown people, uh, this would have been the place that sure. he would have loved playing a song like Absolutely. This. So, you know, and and they get emotional towards the end of it, and they always, you know, give a nod to each other, and they, they hug one another, and, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's it's as Seattle of a song that you can get in the set list. Exactly. I don't need to say it again. Yeah. <laughs> said it enough. <laughs> uh and it's at this point, as I referenced earlier, so that's 24, Crown of Thorns. So now we're in 25. 
uh, kick out the jams and they, they bring out Kim, Kim Vile yep. and uh, you know he gives the whole Soundgarden total fucking godhead speech and yep. uh, you know kind of giving them their credit and everything let's, and let's uh, just Matt put Cameron it, and let, let's just okay Ed is at this point in the show completely and utterly falling on his face yeah so that's what i was about to say it's like at this point he's now now okay i did not go i did not go back and watch the video i'll admit i had i watched a couple individual performances from this show but not this late in the set you can tell you could hear it yeah okay so i'm not i'm not going crazy so he's just wasted at this point yeah and And his voice is it's fun wasted it's not like yeah yeah, he's not like angry wasted or anything like yes exactly it's like he's living in the moment at this point it's like this is like a fun yeah i'm with my friends like that are going to come out on the stage right it's that kind of wasted like he's drinking like to to just because he's having fun kind of a wasted right so he yeah Good. And you, well, you you get the kick out of the jams, and you can tell how emotionally charged everybody on stage is, and yeah. it sort of feels like that could have ended the encore in any other situation. But 100%. you have two, you have two more to go, and yeah. you go into something like spin the black circle. Which and is... I was just so I'm just gonna say like the, my point was going to be like his voice is starting to go now. It's oh, like he's yeah he's it's a combination of like a, getting into the point of like thirty song territory, but also the drinking, but also like the songs that they're singing here at this point. Like Spin the Black Circle is a pitch to sing. the jams which is hard to that to then uh, they they flub it to start and then you get the whole fernando abba right little spiel that he and does that was and, all him and he and sounds he, wasted he's like he could hear it he's like laughing at himself basically and, and he thought this is how this conversation <laughs> went so he funny thought that he had fucked it up when but he did it <laughs> he didn't fuck it up at all and he was just like, wait a minute, where am I? He must have gotten lost in the middle of it. And But you I hear what he says, was- right? I swear I played that song at least a couple times. Sure. They said it sounded like the right notes. But to me, all I could hear was... Uh, there was something in the air that night I couldn't be right Fernando And the song in the air I breathe I
listen, I <laughs> if he can be that, you know, drunk and and still having that much fun and and but coherent enough to to be funny and to get through the song, it's like right. it's just he's like the master entertainer, you know, in that sense where he can just go. He's just he's great, you know, great singer and musician, but he's just funny as hell sometimes, you know. But also so. there's another side to this, and this is the side that I kind of want to bring up, and this is where we're looking forward into the future now. Um, you're 25 songs in, and you're gassed, and I get like it's a very emotionally charged night, and I won't dock off any points for that or you know say that they were sloppy because of that. But we're now in territory where they're going back on this tour, and they need openers. And I feel... Like they're going back to the openers so they can spend more time and effort getting a 28 to 30 song set down and not getting gassed rather than getting gassed and performing 35. I don't think that going forward, at least for these arena shows, that that's the kind of Pearl Jam you're going to see anymore. We're, oh, okay. Like the marathon, right? Like right. I th- I think that which is fine. I think this That's is the fine. Last, I've said I think this that. show is the last one. Look, I've said that before. Uh, I I think even on this podcast, like I will take them playing a a, a tight twenty eight to thirty thirty one maybe thirty two song set where they play the songs well and they're like the way they're meant to be played and he doesn't lose his voice and and become uh you know i don't care if he drinks or whatever like if he's no, a little but drunk or whatever just, but like to the point where he like it's just his yeah, voice is just track. shot yeah. you know i i will take that i would prefer that 100 percent. like more it's the case of it's pearl jam is the rare exception where a lot of the time you might say you know what more is better right. but in that case maybe not so right maybe I, you will I, take something a little less i will for take- it to be better at a stadium show like this, I will take more because I, I understand the significance of it. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing St. Louis and you're playing Nashville, you know, play 28 or 29 and I'm fulfilled. I'm happy as long as right. those songs sound great and they make sense in the spots that they're playing them in the set list. And I don't I'm totally satisfy with it. me yeah. wanting more Then yeah, I'm cool with that. The backspacer shows, most of those were like 27 to 28 songs and those shows were yep. great. So, yep. you know, just a little looking forward. It's a good into point. No, you're work. you're 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 good for bringing that up. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a good point. Um, so anyway, they get through the rearview mirror. Fernando Ed's drunk, hearing things, lost in the sauce right. part, and, and they re begin. They restart rearview mirror, and it's listen. He it, he can't hit that note at the end anymore. He no. just can't. It is what it is. It's even if he wasn't wasted, he's not hitting it. It's like it's so hard. For him, because they're playing it so late in sets, too. Right. They play it that, so late in the show where it's his voice is just – it's gone. Not gone, but it's strained enough to the point in these shows now at, at his age where he just can't hit that he note also, anymore. Because he's, because he's drunk, he's not – He's not putting the emphasis and focus on it anymore. Like he, yeah, to even like build up and prepare for it. Right. Yeah. And, he's, and he's playing at the same time. So there's a lot going through his mind. So that ends up rounds out the first encore right so we're 27 songs in they take a little breather here they come back out out and they say do you guys like a nine inning game or do you like when it goes to extras 
and the crowd is very much on the side of extra innings and they are on the side of extra innings as well. Um, good choice here to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get a little bit of a subdued start with Crazy Mary and, and, and cool it off. Something was going on with Stone's guitar, though. I, I felt like he was a little janky. He was a little off and not in tune with everybody else in this song. I actually noticed throughout this entire second encore, I don't know if it's Ed or if it's one of the other guys or something, like, there's, like, a lag. Yeah, like that's Ed's what I know- voice yeah. is behind the music a lot, and I don't know if they were having maybe, like, monitor issues where one of them was coming through the mix later or Ed was just drunk, that so drunk that he was singing too late or it, it was a little I, bit of both. You heard that on Spin the Black Circle. Where he 100%. was just like oh, yeah. just a hair off of where they were playing. I I thought that was due totally to, Randy. Like the whole time, him. yeah. I, thought I had I, I would I would imagine it's him. I would imagine it's but him. I, but I I thought I thought in Crazy Mary there was something going up with uh, with Stone's monitor at least because he sounded, you know, he was not in the same spot that that Matt was and not in the same spot that Mike was and mm, it sounded like yeah. he was a little a little late on it and yeah. everything was just a little disjointed because of that. But you, that doesn't take away that you do get a really good, uh, painted black boom solo. Uh, you know, again, this is, this is a song that's built for the stadium and it sounds great. <laughs> out the whole show here i mean we just go way back i mean this is all this is all original nice. old <laughs> yeah like see this is so cool like even if ed is like it's blasted at this point and it whatever this is really good stuff here see so, i felt like jeremy was more in the pocket than the other ones yes yes it was much better. it was it definitely 100 you're right um of this last stretch here it's definitely the best sounding one uh i like jeremy and then we go to leash, leash yes. which is really cool. There's a false start in the beginning where Matt is too early and the the rest of the band is not ready. And then right. they restart and they kick in and it's okay. You know, Ed's whatever he's at. We've just he does say fucking saying. face in one of it. Yep. So that's um, good. But this that's another testament to Seattle right there. Them playing 1991. Dude, the whole thing. It's like yeah, Jeremy. Like Leash, Leash was even clubs. like a song before. Leash was a song before right. Versus was even like a thing. Like it's Leash was ten, around like when 10 was song. being still toured. Yeah. Right. So it's all early, man. It's all early stuff. And, and I, then you get a, a throwback. Right. If, uh, Go ahead. Uh, if I remember correctly – uh, there was sort of a mini campaign, you know, there's always a play leash you pussies, but I felt like at this time it had revved up a little more where it was like, okay, this was the one that everybody wanted at this show. Yeah, that does sound a little familiar. Like, I feel actually. like I was seeing play leash you pussies, at least signs in the crowd or, or people screaming it during the show. I, I feel like there was something somewhere while watching this on the live stream where, 
you know, yeah. I said to myself, oh, entirely man, possible movies. and likely. Is I'm right. sure it sounds something like something that we would people would do. So. Right, but again, uh, you're in the audience and you're saying to yourself, well. How are they going to top this? They've already, you know, topped themselves on every single song here. And now you bring out Leash, but it gets better because now this is turning into the party. This the party, is going, right. Yeah. You t- as you took it right out of my mouth. Yep. This is going from <laughs> the concert, the, the show, the ballpark, the home shows. And this is and we've crossed into, 30 here. We have crossed the 30 song mark right. as well. And and it doesn't matter how the songs are being performed. It doesn't matter what's going it's on. It's all about it's, the fun exactly. at this point. Mark Arm, Steve Turner, Kim Thales back out. And they're, they go into the first one uh, is Search and Stride, an Iggy Pop song. And I... When I was watching it on a live stream, it must have been 3 a.m., and I stayed up and I watched the whole thing. And I had to hold myself together because my wife was sleeping right next to me, and I thought, I'm going to scream right now because this is – I would have never expected for them to do this. They've only Mm -hmm. played this five other times, and they all came in 2011. I didn't even know that this was a possibility that they can play this song. Right. They nail it. They are having so much fun. The energy is so high on this one. And you can just tell that they're they're loving life out there. They're loving being in their hometown. And they're they're trying to get the fans to to be on stage with them, to to enjoy this moment with them. And and it feels it feels perfect. It feels right. show of of the bands of the uh you know of of just the moment and it's just like i love i love this like i really like i 
the performance is fine. Like, I think Mark, I have to say, Mark Arm is what? Got to be, you know, around their age, like early mid 50s, right? Yeah. Like, he's he's no kid. He sounds great, man. He really does. He sounds really good. Like, yeah. I, one of my all time favorite Pearl Jam performances, uh, actually, he's older. He's 57. Jesus. Um, yeah, he's he's older than the rest of them. He's like, you know, Cameron, Jeff Amon's age. Right. Um, but. The performance of Sonic Reducer at which is uh, the next 20. song, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's the next song. But um, no, at the Orpheum, the Orpheum oh, in '94, yeah, with Mark Arm is amazing, amazing. I mean, like Eddie, you know, is, is much younger at that point, so right. It's he sounds a lot stronger, you know, hitting the, the you know the growling and everything. But uh, the two of them together. At that point in time, oh my god, man! Right. It's, it's just, just awesome. You're it's so a good. Of, of yeah, sound and coming and from yeah, two exactly. Different. And that's what these two things are. Like you said, they hadn't played "Search and Destroy" since uh, 2011. They played it in uh, Vancouver of that show with Mud Honey because Mud Honey. I'm correct me if I'm wrong. They I opened, think they were right? on. Didn't they I open? think they were on most of that. So they yeah. So they're there already. So they just brought them out because they're there. Uh, so clearly this is, you know, they connect with these songs, Search and Destroy, Sonic Reducer. Yep. Uh, Every time I up, think Sonic know. Reducer and Pearl Jam, I think of Mon Hubby. Exactly. Because and it, how many times have they joined them on stage in big situations like this? It's so like cool. PJ20, yeah. And it, it, it just, really is a moment it's like, they're, it's just like they have, you know, this bond with these bands from, from Seattle and, and they're, you know, their upbringing, so to speak, as a band and, and where they started from, their roots, and for them to come out and, and bring these guys out and, and celebrate the moment. It's it's a, it's a just very cool of them because, listen, I mean, they don't have to do that. Like, they don't have to offer that moment in the stage to these three guys. Right. They, you know, they'll be they, like, all right, you know, you, you stand on the side of the stage and watch us. Like, they want to do that. They want to share the stage with them, and it's just... But it's also cool because they realize the situation that they're in, and they think... These two songs, they think back to when they're 12, 14 years old. And what songs would they want to be playing to people? It's the songs that they're listening to at the time. It's the stuff that, you know, it's stuff like Bob O'Reilly, which, you know, Ed being the massive Who fan that he is. How are you not going to envision yourself on a major stage when, you know, you're this famous musician playing all the songs that you grew up loving and not only doing that, but doing them with your friends, it makes it feel so much more powerful, poignant, important. Yeah, there's more meaning. There's more meaning to it when you share it with the people that you've been along this musical journey with. Right, right. And then you're sharing it with everybody else that's attached. That's now has that similar attachment to that, that are in that crowd that might not know who the dead boys are. They might not know who the stooges are, but now through Pearl jam, they now have that attachment. Yep. So yep. you're ending the night and really this is, well, it's just, just like a typical uh, trio of, Oh yeah. Here. Well, 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 the last two were the party on stage. The party is now, you know, going into the crowd and, it's it's your bread and butter of alive Baba and Ledbetter, and you really don't want a stadium show to close that much differently than this. Uh, it's yes, it's it's you can use the word general, generic, or you know, or just ideal Pearl Jam. 
but, but it still feels like something they have to play here. Yes, a hundred percent. You're closing out the show with your biggest songs, one of your biggest covers, and then you're you're basically your ballad. Uh, and you know, what else would you want them to end it with? Yeah, my you know? closing thought on this show, just to kind of put a bow on on this one and wrap it wrap it up uh, from like a taking like a step back, like the show as a whole perspective, kind of a thing. It very much feels like I mean this was a really good show, like for uh for us for like the podcast to, to yes. dissect and yes. stuff like this was a fun one in that regard because there was a lot of little things going on and it it wasn't such a quote unquote standard PJ set um with a lot of just like common hits over and over again right um it very very much feels like the kind of show where. Like I said, it's a marathon. Like you leave this show, I mean, you leave any Pearl Jam show. You're like, you're, like, you're it drowning. Kind of sucked. And... It could have sucked a little bit, and you would have been like, okay, it was mind blowing. Right. This one really though, like I can't yeah. even imagine like the feeling of leaving this show. Like what would have been going through my head, like witnessing this set in Seattle, playing Safeco, you know, for just basically first second time, whatever, and seeing all these guys come out on stage and all these old songs and. Like we said, you know, you take out Unthought Known and Can't Deny Me. I mean, this is straight up this like a riot act. It's right. a riot act, basically, you know, late 90s, early 2000s set that they're playing 18 years later in 2018. Right. And all these amazing covers and missing out of nowhere for the first time. And Right. There's so many it's, things it's awesome. to go There's, back to. And, yeah. And there, you know, there are your whole, so many holy shit moments. Holy yeah, and shit, even I'm more here. so if you're from Seattle. Like if you're oh, a fan yeah. from Seattle at this show, they're still which giving I know you there's a ton of them. Never seen in Seattle yes. before, like Search yeah. and Destroy. Uh, how many times have they played All or None in Seattle? Probably not very many. Uh, or Thin Air. So you're getting a lot of things. And look, they're not even playing Seattle yet on this tour. It might happen in the fall. It's, it's probably gonna happen at some point. But you're going back to to just this hometown feel that this this vibe is is giving you for the show, and you got it. You got exactly explain Seattle in 35 songs, and and you just did. You know, I, I, exactly. I think you can't say it much better. Uh, your top three favorite moments from the show. Hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're both gonna agree that missing is there, right? Yeah, I, I, it's in my top three for sure. Yeah, I, w- I think we can agree on that. That's just even if, if you don't like the song, I, I just feel like the significance of it is worth yes. putting in the top three for. Right, um, and it's not one that the crowd was like overly emotional for. But no, because it's one, I'm, dude. I'm, I bet like ninety percent of the people there, even if you're a, no even idea. if you're a hardcore Pearl Jam fan, didn't know what that was. I've heard it live before. I didn't know what it was when there listening to it on the live feed. So there you go. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I think just having all the guys come out all the time, Kim Thale and Steve Turner and Mark Arm, like and yeah. not just one of the performances, but the fact that like pretty much what, what, what we were just talking about and them wanting to share the, the moment in the stage with them, I think is cool. Right. And I, you know, it's not, a, like I said, a specific song, but I think that's would be a, a moment or a theme of the show that I would want to add. Uh, I really liked Rats from this. Um, Brain of Jay is really good. Um, I think I'm just going to go with like, again, not a song, but like that theme that I've been 
hammering home and beating a dead horse over for the entire entirety of this discussion in just that it is such an old show. Like, their conscious decision to say, we're going to play all of this old stuff for this crowd tonight. Like, Eddie and the band, like... They probably made this set together. This feels like a set that maybe Eddie didn't put together only by himself. Like, he might have been like, all right, what kind of old stuff you guys want to play tonight? And they were like, oh, you know, let's play Brandy J or, you know, something along those lines. It seemed like more of a collaborative uh, group effort for this set. So uh, that would be my third one. Just, like, them making that uh, decision consciously to to, to play and stick to the old stuff, I think, is... uh, is definitely worth mentioning. That makes cause sense. Because I, I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I got Missing, Search and Destroy, like, again. Cool, I cool. was 3 o'clock in the morning uh, <laughs> watching the live stream, and mm-hmm. I'm holding back everything that I could because I love the damn song, and I'm it's kind of like, you know, your worlds are colliding here. I didn't know that they ever played a Stooges song. So, you know them going into that and, and the way that I felt about the song. And, and I think it was in a commercial at the time. So it was in my head and it was prominent. Um, it just, I, I just couldn't get enough. And I listened to the, I listened to that version hundreds, to, hundreds of times the next couple of days. So loved it. Um, and then my other one was really, is really footsteps. Uh, that's really mm. the kickoff of, the feel to the show and your first holy shit moment. Yeah. It really um, sets the tone that sets the tone. Exactly. And then you get all that other stuff that's in that first meaty part of, the, of, of the set that it's just substantial and it feels, it feels like they're playing to your home crowd. So, you know, footsteps, especially being like what the second song they all wrote together. Uh, it felt like it, br- it brought everything together. So, um, right. Let's now put a rating to this. What do you got? Um, like I said in the beginning, you know, like the performances, uh, you know, I don't want to feel like it was like, or say that it, it feels almost like blasphemous to say that it's it's not mind blowing to me, given that everything that we've said. But I, I've heard sometimes you don't need it. Don't sometimes know. you yeah. need the energy because like, while listening to it, you can feel the energy coming from it. It's one of the best boots to listen to because you do feel all that emotion. Maybe the Mm. songs aren't, you know, pristine or like there's one song where you can say, yeah, the best version of this. And, and Ed kind of getting wasted by the end kind of takes a little, a little away from it in that regard. A tiny, yeah, Um, a tiny bit where I'm not the energy, but maybe more so like you said, like it's not pristine and it's not a a quote unquote clean performance. Exactly. Um, I'll, I'll give it like an eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half? Yeah, I'll say eight and a half. Okay. Like, I think that's fair just because I, I like the good things about the show are, are everything that I've said and that right. we've hammered home and I think are worth getting it that high. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my, I'll, I'll go eight and a half. My take on this is, is, you know, I always say, does it pass the eight bar? It absolutely passes the eight bar. And then to get higher than the eight bar, you have to look at it the historical significance of this. And yes, it's, it's not even two years later, but this already is being talked about as one of the best late, you know, late career Pearl jam shows that, that there's been so far. Uh, this was the number six song in our top 10 shows of the decade, uh, number six, number six show in the top 10 songs of the decade. So you can tell 
how much this means to almost everybody that was either in attendance or that even got a glimpse of it uh, afterwards. It it mm-hmm. means a lot to a lot of people. And, sure. I, and know, I, I, yeah, I, I guess I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to take away from other people's view of it or, or like and you're discount not. it. And you're you know, not. I, it's, it's for me as the someone that wasn't there listening to the bootleg alone. Right. Okay. And so we if I'm there, I guarantee the it's a 10. But, I'm sure it's a 10 if I'm there. But yeah. based on off of that like judging the bootleg this is a better bootleg than most because oh yeah you, you do feel like you get back into that headspace that you, you know you can feel like you're a part of the show and that's that's what i'm looking for in a boot and uh that's why it does pass the eight bar and it goes into nine territory that's why i'm giving it a nine it doesn't get a 10 because uh, you know i i you know i sincerely believe that you know, Ed at the end getting gassed is something to dock a point off of. Uh, you know, I, I could be nitpicky or whatever, but um, you know, I I don't like giving tens for shows. So uh, uh, if that's what's going to keep it from getting a ten, a nine is a perfectly good score to give this. Yeah, so we're pretty close. Yeah, I would say. Um, all right. So again, this was a Patreon episode, uh, dedicated to Adrian Peterson, who's been a patron since I believe around August or September, but our Patreon has really grown and it's grown just in exponential ways. Uh, it's just since Adrian started, uh, uh, contributing, it has gotten bigger and bigger and, and through the last month or so we've gotten massive amount more people. Uh, and I can't thank them enough. And, and we did get some people that kind of went in between recordings. So, uh, just a shout out to Michael Keating and Daniel Sumrall, who are new patrons at, have joined up. And if you want a shout out on the show and a chance to get all of our exclusive episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs. It only costs a dollar and you're contributing to us putting into effort, putting effort into uh, going to these shows on tour and, you know, giving you guys stuff like stickers and, uh, you know, maybe doing some t-shirts and things like that. So we're trying as much as we can to, you know, give back to you guys, promote the show and giving you also a chance to tell your story, to, to share your memories with us. We had some really good stories the past couple of weeks. Uh, Paul last week was really good. Adrian of course was awesome this week. Uh, and Deborah a couple of weeks ago, uh, and even edge, he, he's not a patron, but again, he got to tell a story and it, it was fantastic. So if that's all stuff that you're interested in, head on over to Patreon, become a subscriber and, uh, we get to tell your story. That's, uh, that's what the game is all about. We love, you know, we love that people write into us saying like this show has meant you know, this and this to me. And, and it gives us a different perspective on how we should be covering things. So, uh, again, we have 27 of our patrons out there right now. You guys rock. You guys are awesome. And we're, we'll continue to grow. And we thank you for patrons and non-patrons that listen. We, we thank everybody equally. And, uh, Buckley, I don't know when the next time you're going to be on, I think you're going to be on in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, I believe so. We're going we're to figure it out, but it should be a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah um, but next week, we're going to go back to doing the Around the World series. We're going to do Singapore. Uh, and this one happened in 1995 where they were doing some of those Southeast Asia tours. So this is going mm-hmm. to be really interesting. Uh, 
before the show even started, the first thing you hear on the uh, uh, on on the bootleg is a guy saying, "If you're body surfing and, and moshing, if you're body surfing and moshing, we're not going to bring them out on stage." And it's just you know, it's a different vibe, it's a different feel to what the Pearl Jam experience was, and we'll we'll get back into talking about that uh, that Vitalogy documentary that that never made it to to print and and all that. So we got a lot of fun things to talk about, and obviously, if anything else comes up with with Gigaton, uh, you know, those are other things that we'll definitely do exclusive stuff on our patrons. So uh, keep an eye out on those things. And Buckley, any final parting words before we see you again soon? Uh, no, uh, hopefully we get an, another single or two, uh, before the album comes out and maybe Super we'll have, Blood uh, Wolf Moon should be out yeah. in a little bit. That should be the one. So yeah, looking forward to it. And listen, I have a feeling dance of the clairvoyance is as the most experimental they're going to get on the album, but listen, that's fine. Um, new music I I've been waiting and this is going to be the longest Pearl Jam al- album. So 57 minutes. Yeah. So it's going to be backspacer was that was barely a half hour. Exactly. So it's going to be good. Lots of new music coming our way. Right. The shows that we've talked in depth about and just really excited. It's like having that to look forward to in life, you know, is it's really good, you know, for, yeah. for the psyche and uh, mental health, so to speak. So, right. um, yeah, really looking even forward to it. Even if we don't have and, tickets, yeah. it's again, we're there. I'm there. I'm there. We're going. We're there. I'm going. We'll see Absolutely. you there. And if you can help us even even better. Sure. <laughs> Definitely. All right, everybody. Uh, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Until next week, this has been Randy and Chris Buckley doing Seattle Night 2 2018 for Adrian Peterson. And we'll be back with an Around the World special from Singapore next week. Later. Can you see the lights? Let's see it.